As a business and leadership mentor, wife, and mom, I know that building a legacy business as a high-performing female entrepreneur can be overwhelming when you play many demanding roles in your life. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. You can be a powerful, high performer in your career, plus enjoy a fulfilling marriage and be a great mom all at the same time. Join me and my guests every week to get the inside scoop on what it really looks like to build a high growth business while living a life truly aligned with your family and personal values. Hey, hey, it's Megan and it's Thanksgiving week. So happy Thanksgiving you if you are joining us from the United States. I am currently in Pittsburgh, North Carolina. I am literally sitting in my childhood bedroom as I record this episode. Sean Brighton and I left Florida on, actually we left our house in Florida on Friday and we traveled to it's called The Villages in Florida, which is about an hour north of Orlando in Disney World. Sean's parents live there. So we arrived there in the evening on Friday and spent all day Saturday and Sunday with them. We headed to Oak, which is about an hour drive, visited the World's Equestrian Center on Sunday. Our daughter is a horseback rider. She's been riding since four. She's now 12 and she's be competing in her first horseback riding competition. She rides saddle seat. She's just learning how to ride saddle seat. She spent seven years being hunter jumper, which if you don't know anything about horses, it's different saddles, it's different stirrups. It is a completely different way of positioning your body. Even when you're sitting in the saddle, it, it's a completely different way of riding. It's saddle is basically horses that don't jump. You're you're trotting, you're galloping, you're cantering, a lot of horsemanship, but nothing on the horse. So she is has been kind of talked into doing her first show. We were at a lesson a few weeks ago, and the guy that was giving her the lesson said, you know, you're 12. After all these years, at some point, you got to make the decision. Are you just going to keep coming out here to ride so that your parents can watch you? Or are you actually going to do something with this? And I think that was a really big wake-up call for her to commit to horseback riding in a different way. She absolutely loves horses. I think it might be her first love. She wants to have her own ranch where she brings in horses that have that need rehabilitation, whether they were race horses or they were used at some point by a previous owner. So that is her dream. And it's more than a dream. Literally, it's like she knows it's going to be a reality. She also wants to be a millionaire before she's 20. So how exciting is our younger generation? It's really exciting to watch her brain and her imagination and her creativity and her belief take her wherever she desires to go. It's pretty incredible to watch. So that was our weekend. And then we had a really exciting day yesterday. It, today's Tuesday. I'm recording on a Tuesday. You're listening to this on the day that I'm recording it. Uh, Monday. So yesterday, we drove from the villages in Florida all the way up to Pittsburgh, North Carolina, which if you're not familiar, it's outside of Chapel Hill, if you know the Carolina Tar Hills are. That's where I grew up. And we stopped near Head, South Carolina, to visit with the, the babysitter that Brighton had. Her name is Tracy. I met Tracy at the O2 Fitness Child Watch. O2 Fitness is a gym. That's where my husband John worked for about 10 years. And Brighton was 10 weeks old. I started going back to the gym 
And because you could take your kid into child watch, I think she was supposed to be 12 weeks old, but I took her a little bit earlier. She might've been younger than that. And Tracy was the person who was in the child watch room. And at that time I was starting to dabble in starting a business. This was in 2010. And I wanted to have two days a week, three hours a day where someone watched Brighton. And so Tracy said, yes. And she watched her. We just built up the amount of time that she was watching her every year. I would have her like add on another day and pick her up from preschool. And she was take take her to preschool. And she watched her all the way until she was four, almost four and a half years old when we moved to California. So we haven't seen Tracy in a really long time. It was great to stop by and see their new home. They've been there a few years, Hilton Head. And then we came on up to Pittsburgh and arrived yesterday evening. And we'll be here all the way through Friday. And we will head back to Florida on Saturday. And I hope you're enjoying your week. If you're with friends, family, or simply relaxing, heading into the holidays, getting ready to rest and recharge for an incredible year. And I hope that you're also thinking about what's in store for you in 2023. So in today's episode, you know, I love coming up with episode topics based on what I'm hearing from my clients, my consulting clients, from my colleagues, my peers. I'm in a few peer mastermind groups. And for the most part, the majority of my peers and colleagues I'm in mastermind programs with or peer-to-peer mastermind groups or who I talk to in a friendly basis, they all have leveraged programs. They have group programs, high-level courses, high-touch courses, or low-touch courses that are more based, or they have masterminds, certifications, even membership sites. And so a lot, you know, when someone's business model is one to many and it's leveraged, there's a whole set of challenges that you've just never had to face before. And the higher the volume of your client enrollment goes up, the more complexity there is and the more problems you're and the more new problems you're going to face, which means that the things that quote unquote trigger you, it's all going to come up all over again. And I want to take something that I hear very often. And I heard this the other day, I was chatting with a group of people. We were, you know, just kind of supporting each other in whatever way we support. And the question came up around, how do I handle an email or any piece of communication for that matter from an existing client who seems to be or is expressing their unhappiness or dissatisfaction with the program? Again, I hear this all the time. It comes up. I hear this at least once a week, at least once a week, if not more. I hear it from every single client I work with. I hear it from almost every single one of my friends, peers, and colleagues. A lot of social media posts talk about this as well. And what do we do? What do you do with a disgruntled client email? Now, what I, I'm going to start out with what I disagree with in the industry, in the coaching and expert industry. The number one statement or response that I often hear the most or see in social media being written about is that it has nothing to do with coach or the program. It has everything to do with the disgruntled clients uh, engaging in a form of self-sabotage. That it, that's, that's what it is. I 100% disagree with that. 
idea and with that statement. That doesn't mean my disagreement with that statement does not mean that it's not true. Is that statement true? Sometimes, absolutely. Agree with is that the knee-jerk reaction and the first thoughts that we as leaders and program creators and deliverers of a group style or one-to-many program that anytime an email is on and a client sends in an email or wants to have a conversation and because they or they fill out a feedback form that you're asking them to fill out, anytime they are unhappy, dissatisfied, or disgruntled about their experience in the program, that our default is, well, it's it's just straight up, just 100%, it's classic self-sabotage. How do you know that? How do you know that? Is that just what you think? Is that because it's the lens or filter that you're looking at through things? Um, You know, my background is in public education. And if every single time a student wasn't getting phenomenal results or they failed a test or they didn't like my class or whatever the case, every single time that's happening, if I just said, oh, you're just self-sabotaging yourself, I would have been, I would have lost my job. I would have been fired really quickly. (laughs) You know, I'm not saying that we're all here in public education because we're not, but if you are in the coaching or expert industry and you are teaching and coaching and guiding and leading and facilitating a group of adult learners, they are your students. That is your classroom. And you are an educator. You are an educator. And so we want to be thinking like an educator. And yeah, I get it. You have to think like a business owner. I'm a business owner too people scale and go beyond scale in my consultancy. So you are an educator. We have to think like an educator. An educator working with a dynamic group of diverse learners. When someone joins your program, whether it's about mindset, relationships, business, money, health, parenting, anything, obviously your program has a program promise. You are promising a particular outcome and or result. Just because you have a promise or you are you have a particular outcome you are guiding people towards, it doesn't mean that every single one of your clients ha- desires the exact same result. Not every single one of your clients has the same goals. Not every single one of your clients see value in the same way. They all value something a little bit different. Your clients have different learning styles. Your clients have different preferred processing styles. Your clients have all been through a lot of different experiences in the past. Now, is there sometimes a case for this is just a form of self-sabotage? Of course there is. But here's what we also need to realize. We also need to realize that just because our clients might be getting great results, it does not mean that they are enjoying their experience of, with, and in the program. It doesn't mean they're happy. It doesn't mean that they're satisfied. It doesn't mean that they are enjoying the overall client experience. All of those things are, they're they're all different. And when I heard this question the other day from someone who has got a couple of different group programs, um, one of the things that she said, the person said multiple times was, but I'm so shocked because the client is getting amazing results. 
Now, I again, I hear this from everybody who expresses to me or that I hear see that they had a disgruntled client. Not, I wouldn't say every time. I'd say nine times out of 10. The business owner is shocked that they're getting that type of communication from their client because that client getting really great results. I've even had, I've even heard business owners say that client got such amazing results because of my program. And that's probably a true statement. I'm sure there's a whole lot of truth to that. And so this is where as educators and leader, we've got to be way more conscious than just saying like, oh, it's just you self-sabotaging. Because if every single time you're saying, oh, you're just self-sabotaging because you don't like the program or you're unhappy or or you want to get out of the program, missing opportunities to have a conversation with that client and excavate actually possible for improvement in your own program. So disgruntled clients, now I'm not going to validate, I'm not saying you need to validate every single thing that the disgruntled client is saying. There are lots of things that you are not going to do just because the client wants you to do it. Right. Again, you have to really build the skill of understanding adult learners, understanding learning psychology, understanding um, instructional design, understanding learning environment, understanding facilitation skills. You need to be developing a skill level in those areas if you want to be best in class and provide a world class Ritz Carlton level client experience. And you want your clients to be happy and be satisfied and enjoy their client experience, get results. You cannot just slap program together, show up for Q&A and coaching call and expect everybody to be happy. It's just not going to happen. So you're missing an opportunity when you just say, oh, you're self-sabotaging. You're missing an opportunity to take things out of your program that are not useful. You're missing the opportunity to make your program a lot more accessible to the learner. You're missing an opportunity to strengthen the connection and bonds among your group program members and strengthen the connection of the community. You're missing opportunities to make improvements to the program. You're missing opportunities to add additional value to the program that would actually take your brand new business to a whole new level. Here's some things that I want to share about. Well, what do I do when I get an email from a client that is disgruntled? And I'm going to go with a client who has gotten like good to great results or they're making progress and you have the ability to actually prove that the client is getting results, right? So we're not going to talk about clients that are not showing up at all, that are not doing the work, that were a pain in the tail from the moment that you had the sales conversation. I'm not talking about that. If you knew that somebody was a pain in the tail on the conversation, then you knew exactly what you were getting. A person joined your program, right? So that's on you. Let's focus on clients who you really, like they were not a pain in the tail in the sales conversation. They met the criteria to be in your program. Hopefully you have that. If you don't, you need it. They have, for all intents and purposes, like been a joy to work with. They've consumed at least 75, you know, actually at least 60% of your program they've been consuming more. They've been making progress, they've been getting results, and you actually could prove that A, they're showing up, B, they're making progress, and C, they're getting results. You have some way formally being able to prove that if you were going to have to show up in a court of law and build a case for yourself, you could actually do that, right? Like legit, you could do it. 
So I want you to consider that client in your program and you get an email from them and you're just like literally shocked. You're angry that you're getting it. You are frustrated that you're getting it. Maybe you're even like sad that you're getting it. And you might wonder like WTF, what is going on here? Why is this person sending me this email? And all these things that basically that the program is not meeting their expectations. So the first thing that I want to start out here is that number one, believe that this is a great opportunity for you. That does not mean it's not going to, that doesn't mean it's going to take away the painful feelings that you have. It's not going to feel good. I can't stand getting those types of like them. I get all hot and bothered, armpit sweat, and my heart beat fast. And my I literally have like a lump in my throat. And your body goes through a lot of different emotions and your mind goes through a lot of different thoughts. Who does she think she is? Why is she saying these things? Does she not like me? Does my program really suck? What am I doing wrong? Can I really do this? Am I cut out for this? All those things, all those things go through your mind. You do the blame game in your mind, you shame game in your mind, you do the guilt game in your mind, you do it to the other person and you do it to yourself. These are just, we don't talk about out loud. So number one is it's your greatest opportunity. Number two, notice your own thoughts and feelings. What are, I just listed some of mine. What are all the thoughts that are going through your mind? And just note them. Like they are clouds floating above your head. You are not your thoughts. Your thoughts are not facts. If you want to take this another sheet of paper when this happens and just write down your thoughts with no judgment whatsoever, that's the key, complete judgment free. And just write down what, as crazy as they may sound, as hateful and hurtful as they may sound, but you have zero judgment towards yourself thinking these thoughts because your thoughts are not facts. Your thoughts are just thoughts. Your thoughts are not you. Your thoughts are just thoughts. Then you can either, then the third thing you could do after jotting down your thoughts is sit with your feelings. Sit in the emotion. Just sit there. Judgment. Just sit there. Are you angry? Are you frustrated? Are you bitter? What are all coming up? And then what's underneath that? Because typically anger, resentment, being really bitter, frustration, those are all what I call control thoughts. I used to have those. I actually used to have those towards clients, or so I thought I did. I thought I was really angry at them because they weren't showing up fully or they were asking questions I didn't want to answer that I'd already answered 400 times. Or I thought they just weren't getting it. I was super frustrated, super angry, angry that they weren't getting better, better results. And so I did this exercise one day and I sat with my emotion. And I sat there for about 30 minutes, really believing and thinking it's all anger, it's all frustration, it's all resentment. And what actually came through was the core motion of sadness. And I just let myself sit there and cry for a good 45 minutes to an hour. And that was one of the most significant emotional releases I've ever experienced in my life because I was using anger, frustration, and resentment to suppress the emotion of sadness. I thought I didn't want to feel the pain of sadness. I thought that allowing my sadness to come through was going to be me out of control. So with anger, I felt like I could be in control. So that next is sit there and feel the emotion when you get this email. So step one was it's your greatest opportunity. Recognize that. Step two is notice your thoughts without judgment. If you want to take that a step further, write them down. 
so that you can be more self-aware. And step three is sit with your emotions and let the core emotion come to the surface and let it out, whatever that is. The next thing that I want to talk about is, well, we're still going to go on with our steps. So step four, if we're kind of tying this it's your greatest opportunity together. The reason why you want to notice your thoughts, sit with your emotions is A, so that you become more self-aware. B, so that you can come from a place of neutrality because step four is you need to communicate back with this client. I am not a fan of communicating back via text or email or Voxer. This is when you you really do recognize that client experience and client success is when done not well is detrimental to your business. When done well will cause you to exponentially grow your profits. In fact, companies that focus on client success and client experience will have 60% greater profits than companies who do not. And in the coaching expert industries, this whole idea of client success and client experience in terms of having an entire playbook on this and someone or a group of people on your team that are in this particular department in your business, it exists. It exists in software and every book that there is about it in software and tech. I, I don't even know a single person other than myself who focuses on this as their consulting business or coaching or you know information business. I don't know anybody else that does this but me. If you know someone, let me know. In the coaching and expert industry, that is. So when it comes to client success and client experience, you have to start getting on the phone with people. It, it's just okay anymore to say, well, I don't have time for that. Or my client shouldn't have that kind of access to me. Or why am I giving all this time, effort, and attention to someone who's complaining? My time and resources would be better with people who are being successful. But And you may be right. You may be right. There could be some truth to that. And... If you want your company to, you know, outlast, outlast recessions, outlast, you know, uh, climate change, whatever, um, outlast trends, um, outlast all the things, right? Outlast like time. Um, if you want your business to be sustainable, you want it to have longevity, if you want to boatload of money. If you want to get off the hamster wheel, you have to operate in this way. At some point in the future, when you're making a few minutes, you need to have a whole team or client success and client experience. It, um, start out with one person and then they'll be doing this. I was this person for a coaching company. I created my own position and I was the one getting on the phone with any client that was sending an email like the one we're talking about in today's episode, I was that person. I did that. The business owner didn't do that or else she wouldn't have been grow business. I did that. So I want to, number four, you want to get on a phone call with this, with this person. You want to come from a place of neutrality, which is why you want to do steps one, two, and three first, or you won't be able to come from a place of neutrality. You'll come from a place of being triggered in your emotions, and then you will make assumptions that are not necessarily accurate and you want to lead that conversation so that it is beneficial for both you and the client, right? So we want to be beneficial to you, your company, uh, your client, all of your other clients and your team, because this is not about you. This is about the whole. It's not just about a part. It's about a whole. And 
you know, the way that you approach this, if we're making it about you, then you're really missing the point here, right? Don't make it about you. Make it about the whole. Make it about the mission. Make it about your core values. Make it about about. Now, by getting on the phone with someone, you're actually going to be able to get to the truth of what's really going on. Now, it could end up being a form of self-sabotage, but please, I invite you not to come into that conversation with the thought and belief that, oh, my client is just self-sabotaging and I'm going to ask them questions like a therapist or psychologist to, to walk them down the path to... um fess up to the fact that they're just self-sabotaging. Really great co- seeing exceptional coaches, former psychotherapists, literally be able to make a person think that that disgruntled email is because it's coming from their wounded child or it's a form of their own self-sabotage when it's not. And what that's doing is it is allowing you to let yourself off the hook of improving your program and learning the skills and acquiring the tools necessary to provide exceptional client success and client experience, which is a highly involved, complicated process. By the way, I do it for a living. It's not easy. And this is why it's a lot easier to just default to client's fault because fill in the blank. Okay. So we want to come from a complete place of neutrality where our thoughts and our emotions are not leading us down a pathway of making it about something that it may not actually be about. And you listen to a client or actually adding value to them. So by getting on the call, this is a value add. You know, we always talk about how do we make our programs more valuable? This is a way to do it. Yeah, it takes a little bit of time. And if you have an employee who's doing it, it takes a little bit of money and it takes a little bit of their time. But we're not talking, staying on the phone with them for thir- for an hour here. So this is a value add without you giving away additional private sessions or giving away IP days or recording a whole bunch of new content and material in your program. This is just providing better customer client support and a better client experience. So you want to get on the call for that reason. Plus. You get to listen to what this person has to say, ask follow-up questions. You are eliminating the ability for yourself to ask follow-up questions if you are not getting on an actual phone call or Zoom call with this person. You can ask follow-up questions to better understand. Guess what? Sometimes your clients have got amazing ideas about how you could better serve your entire client base if you would just listen to them. Now, our ego does not like that. Look, I avoided, I'll be straight up, avoided collecting client feedback so many years in my own business because I was so afraid that they were going to say things that get mad at, that I didn't want to hear about myself. You know, who do, who do they think they are? Um, if they would just show up and do the work, we wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't feel that way. They wouldn't be making these suggestions. I had a really big fear around doing something and then, then being told I was wrong. Um, whether you call that I needed to be perfect or whatever, I was really afraid of being wrong and did not want to be called out for being wrong. Really like chopping off a limb when you do that. So when you ask follow-up questions, your clients may have those fabulous ideas that would literally help you differentiate your entire brand because I'm telling you in the world we're living in today, we live in a consumer economy 
in the coaching and expert space, the only and the final way that you that any of us can differentiate our brand is client experience. Hands down, that's it. Not going to do it through marketing. You're not going to do it through photography. You're not going to do it through messaging. You're not going to do it through branding. You're not going to do it through any of that anymore at all. It's like almost impossible to do that at this point, but you can absolutely do it through client experience. You can absolutely do it through experience. So you have no idea what's going to happen in that conversation. So I want to give you a couple of more reasons why you may have a client who is disgruntled with their experience and their level of satisfaction with the program have not been met, even if they are getting good to great results in your program. Number one is you want to find out in this conversation with them, what does the client actually value? So Sometimes it's just a misunderstanding on our part. We created the program. We created the program promise. We created the messaging to attract the person who we believe is the ideal client. We think that we know all the things about what our clients value. And again, not every single client values the same thing. Number two, our clients don't all value the same thing we value. So your client may not value the same thing you value. What they value may be different than what you think they value. The more you know about your client and you have a full understanding of what they value, not because you're assuming, not because it's what last 100 clients valued, this is a new person. This is, a, this is an individual. What do they value? When you find that out, you better tailor and personalize the experience to them and you can still scale individualization and personalization in a group style program. The second thing or the second reason Second thing you want to figure out when you're talking to this disgruntled client on the phone is find out what the client's goals were. Now, again, we're talking to someone who you see are, they're getting great results, which, you know, I'm not surprised you're surprised that a client would send you this type of email if they're getting great results. You need to find out what the client's goals were. So, again, you may think they're getting great results. Do they think they're getting great results? You may think they're getting great results results, but have they even reached their goal? They could be getting great results, but they still haven't reached their top goal. Find out what that is. Now, you may find out that it's unrealistic. You may find out that their goal is not something you even deliver on. Again, whatever they say to you, it's teaching you something and it's 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 all a lesson. Doesn't mean you need to change the criteria of who gets into your program. Do you need to improve the messaging in your marketing? Do you need to elevate the sales process? Do you need to create a better onboarding process. You know, when I work as a consultant with programs, one of the things that I find needs the most work in people's style programs is their onboarding process. There doesn't exist or it's just one call, but the wrong things are being even discussed in the onboarding call or the onboarding process, if there even is one. And you can really facilitate the management of expectations in that onboarding process. You can overcome objections in the onboarding process. You can overcome misconceptions in the onboarding process. You can show your clients how to get wins in the onboarding process. You're really helping someone in the onboarding process make the decision on whether or not they want to stay with you long-term or not. And the onboarding process can actually mitigate clients sending these disgruntled emails future. So you've got a lot to learn by listening to someone and finding out, hey, do I even know specifically what the person's goals were? 
did they change? You know, maybe you have an intake form that they, and they, they told you what their goals were. That's one of the things I see missing from a lot of group programs. You get your clients goals at the beginning of the program, but people's goals change. They could change a week later. You've got to have a system in place where you're constantly helping that you're constantly in communication with them and you pathways for them to be able to update their goals, but communicate their goals to you so that you can better tailor the experience to meet their new goals. So those things have to be flexible. Uh, the third thing is for you to recognize and talk to your client about this when you're, when you call them is you want to recognize that client experience is different from client results. I said that a lot at the beginning of this whole conversation around around what our our topic of discussion is today. Experience is different from results. And so you got to find out from the client, ask a lot of questions. Don't tell them anything. You know, you could say like, what are the results that you're really proud of that you have gotten in the program? Awesome. Great. You listen, you listen, you listen. Know that there's some things about the program that you might be unhappy with. I hear that you're getting really great results. What are parts of the program that you'd like to see, you know, what what type of experience would you really like to have in the program? Or what type of experience did you think you were going to have when you came into the program? So again, a lot of questions, it's you learning about their thought process because somebody's going to write a disgruntled email because of the thought that they're thinking. In our minds, we assume what that thought is and we assume that's behind it. We could be completely incorrect. So you want to find out what's going on inside this person's head. And it could be that their expectations were on another planet about your program. But then this this is a learning experience because they're somewhere along the way where something was communicated to they had that interpretation of what the expectations would be. And then we want to find out, well, are those, was I even delivering that? Did I ever say I was going to deliver that? What about my messaging and my marketing and my sales process or my onboarding process made someone think that that's what I was going to be delivering? So again, there could just be some miscommunications here that it's giving you an opportunity to fix so that this doesn't happen in the future. And then the fourth thing that I want to share with you that you could really dive into in this conversation with the client, finding out if they have a learning or processing style that isn't being accommodated in the program. So sometimes someone may have ADHD, they could um, be completely auditory, they could be completely visual, they could be completely kinesthetic. I mean, I am very kinesthetic and digital, and I'm pretty high visual as well, but I am super low auditory. I did a little test one time and I was like, like really low auditory, but my digital kinesthetic and visual were all really, really close together. And they were like two points higher than my auditory style of process, which means if I just listen to someone talk, I don't catch half of what they're saying. And I have to listen to it a lot of times over and over again. And then I have to write down what they're saying and then like try to discern what they mean by what they're saying. I just, I don't remember anything that I'm told at all. Um, But if I write it down, I remember it. If I read it, I remember it. If I see it, I have to go like, so if I was in a program that was largely call-based or video-based, that's not actually the best for me. And I may have a little bit of trouble in that program, um, more so than someone who's more auditory than me. So it could be there's some confusion 
And so they're making it be about certain things, the program or the expectations when really they just have a preferred learning or processing style. The way the program is laid out, it doesn't work for them. Give you another example of that. My husband and I, uh, you know, we always get to the same goal, but we get there in two very different ways. I always joke about my husband because I used to be a high school teacher and he would have been a student that I would have just been super frustrated with. It's not because he's not smart. It's not because he was a lazy student. It's not because he doesn't get it, but he learns and processes in a completely opposite way than I do. And that could be super frustrating because as teachers, it's very easy to teach the way you learn and to teach the way you prefer to process information, but that only typically works for people who are just like you. And in terms of how I function, the way I function is probably like the smallest percentage of the population, which would be the smallest percentage of the adult clients in my programs. And so if I showed up and taught the way I like to learn and the way I like to process, it's only going to work for the smallest percentage of my clients. Like maybe five out of, maybe five out of 20, four out of 20, three out of 20 clients, it would actually work for. And I, you really have to take that consideration. I could keep going on and on. Uh, I don't want to overwhelm you. So the moral of the story here is uh, if we could do a bit of a recap, you've got one too many programs. You have received a disgruntled email from a client who is getting good to great results in your program um, for every, you know, all intents and purposes would define them as someone who met the criteria to be a good candidate to be successful. And you're a bit shocked, if not triggered, that you're receiving this email from them. You're angry. You have emotions around it. And I see this as one of your greatest learning and growth opportunities as a leader of people, as a leader of a business, a leader of a team, and as someone who is teaching and educating clients through your material and your facilitation skills in group style program. So you see it as an opportunity. You want to uh, notice what your thoughts without judgment. You can even write those thoughts down to become more self-aware. You want to recognize what emotions you're feeling and sit with those emotions and let the core emotion come out. You want to do that work and then you want to get on a call with this person because it's your greatest opportunity ever. In fact, getting on that call, your clients will see it as valuable. Getting on that call, clients will trust you even more. You are, you're going to piss your off if you just email them back because they're going to... We do that. We actually make it about them. It's not about them. So we want to get on a call it's added value that you're going to build trust with them. You'll probably save the client from leaving and they'll stay with you forever and they'll love you after this. You want to come from a place of neutrality. You want to ask a lot of questions and you really want to understand where they're coming from. Um, find what the client valued. It could be different than what you thought. Find out what the client's goals were entering into the program. Find out if those goals have changed, even if they're getting really great results, even if they got the result they got when they wanted, when they joined the program, like what's next for them. Um, notice that a client experience is different from the results. Find out what their experience expectations were and listen. And then also find out what their learning and processing styles are and if those are actually being met in the program. And your client may actually have some really, really great ideas about where you can make some improvements, some shifts, even some eliminations. 
inside of your program and make sure you do something. So if clients are giving you feedback, you know, another reason, I forgot to say, another reason why clients may be giving you disgruntled emails, sending you disgruntled emails, experience in your program, it could be because you're not asking for their feedback in a formal way in any of using any other tools in the program. So if you're not doing that, that's another opportunity here. If you want to get less and less and fewer and fewer disgruntled emails from clients or none at all, ask for clients' feedback. But if you ask for their feedback, you need to actually follow through on some of the things that they said um, so that they can be better served. Because that person in your program doesn't just represent themselves. They represent a lot of other people in your program who may just not be speaking up about it. And you can literally... I mean, you could just exponentially impact your profit and the lifetime value of a client. So even though it could be, it's never fun. It is always painful to receive these types of emails and, you know, face that, face those emotions and face those thoughts and face the unknown and face that person eye to eye. If you, when you have a conversation with them or a Zoom call with them and sit there and listen and t- like an adult, um, but you know, that conversation doesn't have to be a confrontation. It doesn't have to be a conflict. It can be a conversation where you're come up with some really great opportunities that the client gets to feel like they played a role in. If you loved this episode, which I'm sure you did, and I hope you got some golden nuggets from it, please let us know your thoughts. You can share a review or you can send me a message on Instagram or Facebook. I'm really, really, really easy to find. And also please share this episode. Share about our show. It is number one and only way that we receive new listeners to the Built to Last show. So share it out. It would help us greatly and it would help us make a bigger impact on so many people around the world who are growing coaching and expert businesses. So go ahead and click that share button and send this to someone who maybe recently expressed to you that they got an email, just this one from one of their clients, and this could really help them out. Until our next episode, again, happy Thanksgiving, happy holiday, and remember to design a life and business that is built to last. Thank you so much for tuning into the Built to Last show. If you're loving the show and have gotten any value out of it for your business and life, would you mind doing two things? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Our listener reviews helps us get more visibility and reach more people just like you. Help us make a difference for more entrepreneurs by helping them grow their businesses in a way that aligns with their life, family, and core values. Thank you so much for being part of our community and tuning into the show each week.